Welcome to the Alchemist Manifesto, a podcast with Mario Obando and Daniel Topete. We are two friends holding space and making time to have holistic and humanizing platicas and charlas with the aim of alchemizing our individual experiences into shared healing and wisdom. The amistad that produces this podcast emerges from our shared commitment to social justice as teachers and scholars in the field of critical and relational ethnic studies, and of course, our creative and everyday efforts to imagine better worlds with our loved ones, communities, and spirits. Rather than a conventional written manifesto, our podcast welcomes you to an evolving, living, and breathing journey rooted in the beauty of alchemy through amistad and the palabras, cuentos, and testimonios that emerge in this sacred ceremony of bringing our spirits together and transmitting them with you. We channel a welcome via the collective work of protecting our spirits and our communities with love and amistad. May we remember that the individual anadonia we may feel when we try to heal is a colonial violence. And that as Harina de Marco sings in Release the Hounds, that even though they always lie and keep on thieving on that land they stealing, and that they release the hounds on us during these 500 years, 500 years, 500 years of survivance, that we gonna take it back. We gonna take it back. Regardless if it is the theft of land, destruction of water via pipelines, the pressures to not be aware of how our bodies navigate white supremacy or the colonization of our cultures and spirituality. We remind ourselves that we gonna take it back. We gonna take it back. We gonna take it back. Taking back our spirits cannot be done alone. And it is here that we move beyond the Anadonia and swing into radical, vulnerable, and loving amistad. May every spiritual and ancestral energy that tunes in here fill the frequencies of love and liberation we vibrate out in this Alchemist Manifesto. Mandando amor y paz. I'm Mario Alberto. Welcome to Anadonia y Amistad Part 2. In the previous episode, Danny and I outlined how we felt Anadonia when we aimed to live within a decolonial sobriety. What we found was that being sober was very alienating and often left us feeling lonely. We also found in our lived experience that this feeling does not emerge in a vacuum. It emerges within the ash heap of colonial white supremacist violence. The feeling is meant to have us feel like healing is individuated or even apolitical. What we find in this journey is that we can counter anadonia with amistad. Extremely political. The act of alchemizing our pain and trauma by sharing our spirits, stories, and energies, and working with good intention to acknowledge and unearth the conditions that produce our anadonia, our addiction, and move this into amistad is life-affirming guided by the work of indigenous water protectors throughout the world who aim to protect water from violent pipelines that contaminate sacred spaces and communities, the work of protecting our spirits from the violent liquids that can contaminate our discernment and clarity is everything. Known as the white man's water, alcohol has been utilized by the powerful to numb our senses and keep us from being in relation to the cosmos, to the abundance of energies that we can connect with if 
as Saul Hernandez sings in the song cited in episode one, Y Aprender a Ver, we can learn to see, see the way that the earth heals and communicates with us. Ecological disasters happening simultaneously as our internal organisms are decimated by how we cope with these traumatic and colonial violences. Do we use the liquids of the oppressor, the knowledge of the oppressor, selling us happiness through catchy slogans? Or do we perceive different and look to amistades and friendships and critical knowledges towards clarity, enlightenment, and coherence? These are understandably hard questions to consider. The path is messy and entangled with pain and the ongoing violence of global capitalism. Thus, we ask these questions gently. We ask them because this is where we are. We ask them because we struggle every day between anadonia, isolation, or as Danny called it last episode, our cuevitas, and amistad, coming together to work through this. It is in this vein that we welcome you to eavesdrop into our conversation as we explore and search for the ebbs and flows of the yin and yang of pain and joy, of sorrow and pleasure, of word drunkenness and spiritual clarity in the act of amistad. Enjoy. So thanks everybody for tuning in uh, to our Anadonia y Amistad episode. That was a really tough episode, I think, for both of us to release and to send out. But I think it was really important because we connected with so many of you uh, through direct messages, through emails. Um, I talked to some of you um, over Zoom, and uh, that's been a that's been a blessing to know that we're not alone in this. And I think for both of us. Um, this journey of working through Anadonia in the middle of a pandemic, already isolated, and then that kind of doubly gets isolating with these types of pressures and emotions. And so much going on that the second episode is is really dedicated to the Amistad part of it, um, the thing that keeps us kind of going. Um, how do we move from a kind of I-centered society to like a we-centered society, something that I think is critical, um, both in like our own kind of experiences with healing and violence and trauma and the things that we talked about in the Anadonia part of the episode. But it's also critical to imagining better worlds, to organizing in healthy contexts and, um, and in transforming ourselves to transform our communities and, our, and really the world that we're in. One of the things that Danny and I did actually a few weeks ago was we tried to record this episode while walking. And uh, there was too much wind and gravel in our feet. And uh, that was kind of, uh, it was, it was for in terms of audio content, it was uh, a little shaky, the audio. But in terms of the conversation, I, I, you know, that was really fruitful because for me it was, how do you hang out? when you're sober and find joy that's not easy to do how do you hang out with friends and I, daddy and i kind of came up in a, in a context where that was the thing to do we talked about that in the last episode where it was let's let's kind of drown our sorrows in this and we would do that together and now we're looking for different things to do and we did that walking meditation we did it like a walking uh form of connection uh, of course like we were we're doing that virtually. So Danny was walking 
elsewhere and I was walking elsewhere and we were both alone. But the one of the things that came out of that walking meditation for me, Danny, was, you know, that we were trying to do something different. Um, we were trying to reach for something beyond the previous habits that we were doing um, and looking for clarity rather than numbness, looking for pleasure rather than just sorrow or looking for some a little bit of joy rather than just pain and um, really kind of just being in that 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 kind of space of of, of clarity rather than drunkenness and and uh, and that's that kind of yin and yang of Anadoniaam stuff right of how how do we find friends how do we find comunidad and amistades that support us not just in this context but with so many other contexts um, that's really critical yeah man then you know just to start thanks for that wonderful intro I think it's it's one of those moments where it really reminds me of why I'm doing this and and to think about these legacies again I think it's been a very constant you know message that we've been trying to send out that you know this isn't new right that the things that we're going through now are a legacy that has been laid out for, you know, working class, people of color, you know, so many different kinds of folks, right? And and I think, you know, when I think about, you know, that this is probably something that my ancestors had to go through as well, right? And that it has been like 500 years or more, that over and over again, you know, it kind of does remind me that we are the community right in this spiritual connection the spiritual community that you know we just have to tap into right like you mentioned right to see that we're not alone that these are you know again the the legacy of not being able to remember how to do this also is a part of that right and being intentional even if we're making mistakes right that we're doing this in the spirit of healing, of loving, right? Being supportive with one another, right? That I think kind of gets, has gotten lost, right? Has gotten lost for so many of us. And again, those same colonizers, like you mentioned, right? Pro provide alternatives to not see, right? To not remember, to not aprender a ver, right? To cloud, right? That, that, for lack of a better term, vision, right? And, you know, the, the walking has been really helpful, you know, and I think that's why we kind of uh, chose, right, to do that walk a couple of weeks ago, right? And be like, you know, you know, this has been one of those ways that we've been leaning on each other. And the, obviously the pandemic, you know, has put us, uh, has made it difficult for us to connect, right, in person. So we've tried to find alternative ways and and just thinking about, right, this this moment of of that community, like that that you mentioned, is is something that you know I think is very important as a part of our amistad, right? That we are 
uh, lean on each other on difficult times, that we are uh, leaning on each other for support when we feel we need support. But no, but I think, you know, just to, to remind myself of, you know, how important it is to center myself in in these times in these difficult times right yeah. and and that has been one of those things right we talked about walking in our past episode right and we talked about right this kind of these moments of trying to really uh focus in on on these moments of, of togetherness right and and as we kind of think about right how to move forward from this right um the thing that keeps you know keeps coming coming up is the sense of like you said like creating this this amistad and strengthening these these spaces right developing these spaces where you can like we've been told for so long right to kind of avoid that right and that the only time that we should get together is to get drunk and to have fun and to do those things and which again that's great right that's great for folks but in 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 uh in this and celebratory kind of moments right but um i think this is the the thing that we've kind of been really really trying to to reiterate is the sense that you know that that is the only way for us to connect right that there has to be this thing right this vehicle this this liquid this smoke this that right to kind of like make us connect in a way that that is very very disconnected right that it, I, I believe right when when we cloud our judgment we cloud our you know inhibitions right because we're so scared to be ourselves our authentic selves with the, with the outside world right that, that we're not really truly making those connections right um, and you know it it does change your relationships with others right i think those are those things that you know, as I've personally made this decision to 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 reconsider, right? Um, like we talked about in the first episode, right? Because I was feeling miserable, right? Alcohol was not helping for me anymore, right? One of the things that it was difficult to to let go of and mourn, right, was the loss of a lot of relationships that I thought were strong. And I thought they were gonna be strong enough to to survive me not drinking, and and a lot of them have have stopped, right? And and, and again, it, I'm sure it's because again, it's 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 me that's changed, right? I have changed you know, in the in this moment, and but you know, again, I think the change that 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 has happened for me has been a moment. You know to try to see myself in a better light to understand myself and be happy for myself right because you know the next day after that hangout i felt alone again i felt you know i felt like crap i felt like this and that right and i think those are those moments that i think as i kind of you know focus on what has happened in these last couple of years right i um I was really able to center those relationships and amistades that that were truly supportive, right? Um, 
you know, it feels like I have less folks to lean on, but those folks that I get to lean on, like you, Mario, it's, uh, you know, worth a million friends, you know? And I think those are those things that, you know, I, I it's, I've never, you know, we never think about it in that way, right? That, you know, less is more here, essentially, right? Because I think those are those moments that, you know, all those folks that I've had in my past that were only seeing me for this one, right? As this one thing, again, it wasn't working for me anymore. And, and now that I think about moving forward with, you know, even the, the podcast, right? It's important for, for, for me at least to, to really highlight, right? That search for all of us, right? That, that community, right? That sense of, you know, upholding one another. And again, you know, I mentioned in our first, like getting to know us thing, right? These are the things I tell my students all the time, like find somebody, right? Find somebody who's going through the similar things that you are, right? And lean on them, right? Like, you know, develop those relationships, find that space that, that can be uplifting and supportive, inspiring even that you know I'm, I'm hoping we can continue to do that here in, in this space as well yeah man thanks for those sweet words uh, i feel the same way i feel the same way and uh yeah there was something that that you were saying right now that really kind of like sparked my my mind and attention and it was uh, when you said like I'm kind of leaning on folks, right? And uh, I was thinking about um, a song that I, I, I've written about before and that I really enjoy. Um, a popular song, but I enjoy it nonetheless. And it's Tupac's Doug's Mansion. And in that song, uh, you know, he talks about kind of the afterlife and wanting kind of a place for the homies to hang out. And there's a line that just kind of always resonates with me, which is, I need a place to rest my head with a little bit of homies that remain, right? The homeboys that remain. Um, you know, these these songs that are very popular, but, you know, resonate quite, quite profoundly uh, when we think about all the different types of violences that uh, exist uh, within Latinx, Black, Asian American communities. Um, how do we hold each other? How do we even, you know, rest our heads with the little bit of homeboys that remain? It's a powerful, you know, it's a powerful declaration of of humanity. That's a powerful declaration of our of our need for each other. Um, I think about that song often, especially um, when I'm teaching too. Um, and I wanted to share some of the, that song too, where that, that song just means a lot to me, uh, especially this week where we've been having conversations about anti-Asian and anti-Black violence. And uh, Tupac, that song, there's a moment where he's actually writing to his mom from heaven and he's like at Thug's mansion. And he says the following in the third, third line of the, the song dear mama don't cry your baby boy's doing good tell the homies i'm in heaven and they ain't got hoods seen a show with marvin Gaye last night it had me shook drinking peppermint schnobs with jackie wilson and sam cook 
Then some lady named Billie Holiday sang, sitting there kicking it with Malcolm till the day came. And it's this next line that really, really formative to my dissertation, very formative to how I think about um, interracial solidarity, how I think about friendship. Um, little Latasha sure grown. Tell the lady in the liquor store that she's forgiven. So come home. And, uh, and you know, obviously Tupac's referencing Latasha Harleen's um, murder and dying at the age of 15 in LA. And uh, Tupac saying, tell the lady in the liquor store that she's forgiven, so come home. You know, when we talk so much about, about violence and, and the things that, that are kind of, that play out in our lives, right? And the the way that we want, you know, to, you know, rest and find that kind of solitude amongst so much violence that, that, you know, that was also like right around the time that Rodney King was, was beaten. And mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Rodney King really suffered after, right? I mean, I mean, really suffered with alcoholism after and substance abuse, if I'm not mistaken. And just the pressure of it all, right? The, the PTSD of that, the pressure of, of, of what that meant, and also the kind of physical, emotional, spiritual uh, violence that they endured. And I think so much about, about that time and about what Tupac's saying, right? How do, we, how do we lean on each other? How do we rest with the little bit of homeboys that remain? Um, I realized too, Danny, as you were saying too, like there's, this is bitch, like friendship and amistad to me has actually been really important in like the way that I think about writing and being in the world um, and how I think about and conceive of ethnic studies too. Um, there's a documentary um, about Marsha P. Johnson, um, uh, the death and life of Marsha P. Johnson, uh, still on Netflix, I think. And uh, there's a scene where uh, Marsha's best friend and fellow activist in the kind of queer and trans of color movement in the 1960s and 70s, really what catapulted Stonewall from the jump and really what modern day folks, like, you know, in our contemporary context, what we call pride, right? It was actually an anti-police uh, queer and trans of color rebellion against uh, against uh, queer violence and trans violence um, violence against queer and trans of color folks. Um, Sylvia Rivera gives this amazing speech in the documentary, really critiquing um, middle class white queer folks who really forget about you know, those who are in prisons, those who, who are really suffering at the hands of the police, uh, at the hands of, of poverty. Uh, Silver Vera gives this wonderful speech in the middle of the documentary. And Sylvia Rivera says something that really informs kind of the way I think about like friendship and the importance of amistad in the context of trauma. And as they're being interviewed years after that speech, um, Sylvia says that 
they were, you know, you could see it in the speech too. They were booed off stage by all the, the quote unquote allies, right? And Sylvia went home and was about to kill themselves. And had Marsha P. Johnson not showed up and tended to Sylvia's needs and that moment, uh, Sylvia says in the documentary, they would have been gone. And uh, that legacy would have ended in that moment. And oftentimes when we think about activism, Amistad um, kind of gets blurred out of the picture. And for me, when we think about race, when we think about gender, when we think about sexuality, when we think about even how we look back at the 60s and 70s or the 90s, when I, the 80s and 90s, when I think about Tupac, when we think about those ancestors that leave these stories behind for us, a lot of it is amistad. A lot of it is, is you know, who's who you're gonna lean on. A lot of it is, is when you're booed off the stage, because even folks who claim to be part of your community don't want anything to do with you. Who's gonna who's gonna be there for you? Um, and sometimes those stories get kind of erased, or not necessarily erased. They don't get. They're not at the forefront of how we remember because they're not like the big utopian picture of activism. They're the quotidian, everyday, mundane stuff. And uh, when I think about um, our friendship, Danny, it's it's the little texts. It's the it's the you know the checking in, the making sure we're good, because surviving sobriety, surviving, working through our our traumas is not easy and uh and that in and of itself is a kind of spiritual activism that is really part of a larger a larger genealogy right a larger kind of practice and tradition of communities of color taking care of each other in the mundane and the everyday not just in the big utopian picture of things there's something also i, I wanted to share too which was uh um i was the other day i, I gave a presentation and I was talking about Shandon Reddy's work in uh, the wonderful book, Freedom with Violence, Race, Sexuality in U.S. State. Uh, highly recommended to folks. It's this really amazing book that has a lot of theory about how in 2010, how the Obama administration into the expansion of the military kind of put in this like anti-hate crimes prevention bill and everyone celebrated it because it was really kind of changing the game around hate crimes. But one of the things that it did was it expanded the US military at the largest that it ever had. So it was this kind of notion that Reddy talks about freedom with violence, right? That you get granted a little bit of freedom, but it's in, in the US, which is always war, it's not just at war, the US is war, that it's always gonna come with violence. And it's really, amazing theoretical political contribution to the field of queer of color studies but in the opening of that book of all the things that reddy could have said opening to the book says quote to my friends without whom nothing right to my friends without whom nothing right so i dedicate this book to my friends without without them nothing's possible 
that to me was really striking because I'm reading this really important book. I love that book. It's really, uh, it's a really sophisticated, carefully laid out theoretical work. But at the root of it, I just think about all the friendships and all the things that must have sustained ready to write that dope, powerful political book. It's critical, it's important, it still resonates even though it came out 10 years ago in 2011. Saying dope stuff, right? But it's also saying to my friends without whom nothing. It's these little, these little crevices that in all the theory and all the fancy stuff that we say and do and, and we articulate in our work, at the end of it is the mundane, the, the everyday stuff that keeps us alive, that keeps us going. That, you know, those of us who are there for each other when 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 things are rough. And I, when I think about going back to Tupac, when I think about you know the afterlife. We gotta really work towards making that happen in the in the short space and time that we have on this particular plane of existence. And uh, and that's I, I think that's something that you know. I really want to do with an open hand, you know, a warm hug, um, thoughts that I've conceived in the privacy of my room. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I like, that's just like that to never forget that all the stuff that, you know, especially for folks who listen to us, who are students, you know, as you're reading some of this dense stuff, the stuff that keeps some of us going and, and together through all the kind of power stuff is, it's not the institutions, it's the, it's the friendships. We wanted to reconnect with everybody and, you know, really look at some of the things that uh, you have all written us, asked us questions, specifically from the first episode around Ana Doña y Amistad. And one thing that I wanted to share with everyone is the significance of a friendship of amistad and all these different types of paths. One thing that I've told Danny is, um, you know, it's really important to have friends on the path. That's really been part of the alchemy of trying to work through the anadonia is just, you know, even if there are times where the communication or we get into these, these caves, you know, finding knowing uh, that in our search that there's there are folks to fall back on and ask difficult questions of uh, that's critical and i wanted to share a, a story and that is that uh, once um, a a disciple of the buddha asked uh, him about friendship uh, and it was ananda and they said that they knew that having good and encouraging friends was very important for the path. He even wondered whether having good friends is half the path. And the Buddha responds, no, having good friends isn't half of the holy life. Having good friends is the whole of the holy life. And, you know, this kind of emphasis on, you know, the significance of having a spiritual or a noble friend uh, also known as uh, Kayana Mita uh, during one spiritual journey is really important to liberating ourselves from pain and um, you know finding our way and that's not easy um, in any way shape or form uh, I think the first episode that we did 
was was really trying to map out that this is work and it's it's struggle and community collectives is really important to you know how we think about the the healing path um there's so many models of individuated self-care that um it's really problematic because uh, we're not alone in these journeys and so one of the things that we wanted to do was you know respond to some of the things that y'all have written to us respond to some of the things that um, you've asked us and be in community with you and hopefully you know engage you on that path knowing that we're not half of it we're the whole of it so uh, chris uh, sent us a question here it says uh, when you realized that you were being consumed by anadonia and began your journey towards self-love and growth did you experience any adverse reactions from people around you an example people that dislike the boundaries you were setting now that's a great question um and i think for myself you know uh, when i began to realize that a lot of my path it, you know, and the relationships that I had built were very codependent. And it, it kind of made me feel, right, the sense of, you know, uh, almost people pleasing that that was at my expense, you know. And that might have to do with, you know, as I kind of go through my own, right, self-healing, it has to do with my, my own right, uh, past with abuse and, and what have you that I think is very important to to recognize where this codependency was coming from for myself but i definitely feel that there was uh, a lot of pushback right there was a lot of pushback as i began to re re recognize right like hey there is now this new boundary right that wasn't there before it's like wait why are you sticking up for yourself all of a sudden right or what's happening right that i think uh you know um, when i began to realize like i'm not going to sacrifice my own sense of well-being to make others happy or or to make somebody else's path easier right i think uh definitely there was some pushback there was some also recognition with myself right it felt different right it felt different a lot of the pushback i think was also internal right it was this sense of like you know uh, when some of the same experiences with other folks right came back it, it was uh it made me feel like um, angry in a way that I don't think I've ever felt before. Um, it made me feel like, how dare you? And in, in, in this way that I think in the past, like I said, folks were like, wait a minute, like, you know, I've done this to you in the past. Like, why are you all of a sudden, right? Super upset, right? That I think it, it, it's a moment that, you know, there is definitely, right, uh, some adverse reactions. I want to say most of it came internally, right? Um, I, I want to say that a lot of the, the the adverse reaction was me trying to navigate this new sensation of standing up for myself, this new angry feeling that I was feeling when I felt betrayed, when I felt hurt. And learning how to navigate that new feeling, I think, was a, was a big part of, of, of that experience. But... What about you, Mario? Yeah, whenever I've been consumed by withdrawal and and then when I've felt uh, kind of in that stage of, of alienation, 
isolation. It definitely is definitely an internal feeling, right? You're starting to wrestle with um, the new kind of person that you're born in, you're being born into because you're letting yourself essentially a version of yourself die. You're allowing yourself to be, uh, you know, reconstituted by, you know, a different path, uh, one that's more conscious and aware and not as self-destructive. And um, I think, I think I'll answer this question with whenever I encountered folks when I was a lot younger who are a little bit older than me and who were on a healing path. I didn't necessarily know how to respond to what they were articulating in their lives, right? Uh, and so I try to empathize with some of the folks that I've created boundaries with and who have responded to um, my, you know, different life choices negatively, I presume, as responses to things that they're going through. Um, and that's part of this kind of process is, is is empathy um and it's and and it is very much this kind of relationship between anger and empathy i think for me where it's you're angry at the fact that you know you're healing but you're starting to become more aware of other people uh and the fact that a lot of us need community healing uh, you start seeing your environment a lot more clearly and then and then you you kind of also get mad at least i did at oh man, like there are things that we can do. And I, I got a little bit impatient. And and lately for me, uh, over the course of the last few months, it's been trying to kind of, well, where's where's my empathy there too, right? How do I reconstitute parts of myself in this journey that can be very kind of self-oriented and begin to think about what's beyond that too. And it's kind of reconstituting yourself towards what other folks are responding and knowing that none of that stuff is personal uh, when folks feel that way. Um, you know, if you set a boundary and someone keeps pressing and pushing you, that allows you, that's information, that's a message that folks are sending you to perhaps, right, um, you know, you, that boundary was important for you to set. At the same time, that kind of empathy to know that, you know, they have their own wounds and, and journeys there. I think in, re, in the space of, for instance, you know, activism in the space of of, of ethnic studies, um, where the culture of resistance is really kind of critical. What this allows, I think, for me is, um, you know, setting boundaries and then creating new forms of of active of activism, new forms of community uh, that are really responsive to our holistic needs of our mind, body, and spirit. So we're not constantly just burning out and uh and we're all in a collective sense of pain and, and that's where ego state really kind of kicks in uh and so you know i think i think i i have i've had i've had negative experiences with folks who have not respected my boundaries uh at the same time i think the more that we do work that kind of space of empathy um hopefully is, is a is an important path thank you for that question chris Thank you so much for listening and um, and engaging uh, the podcast. Somebody else that wrote us after the the part one of this episode uh, was Valeria. Um, they let us know that uh, they think that um, 
doing awesome. So we really appreciate that. Um, and much love to you as well. Yeah. Uh, you talked about being grateful uh, that we shared, um, you know, how we kind of got to working through some of those habits. Uh, and your, one of the questions you asked us was, can you two please share your why to live, heal, and become greater than yourselves every day? Uh, you also let us know that you stopped drinking once this pandemic started, uh, big ups. Unfortunately, turned to smoking and binge eating to try to cope with my anxiety. And I think that was something that Danny and I talked a little bit about how, right, our energies in the world, uh, when we shut something else off, that creates something else and can take you down different paths, right? So definitely, we definitely connected with that too. Um, you talked here about having to put yourself in check this year uh, and of being officially two weeks sober. Um, and um, talk, you asked us also if we could go over some of the habits that we've picked up over the years to help fill the void. Mil gracias. Uh, Valeria, thank you for sharing your questions, sending nothing but good energy. And it's a struggle. Um, I think my why is, uh, I think I, like I said, with that, with that experience and story that I shared in the, in the, in the Anadonia one was the fact that, you know, I literally had an out of body experience where I felt so out of control that I didn't know if I was going to see the next day. That stuff's really scary. And I think, I think I, to be quite honest with you, a part of myself ended that day something kind of began anew and uh you know kind of trusting that that was the time for that to to end uh and really trusting your intuition uh, i think is something that's been really important in, in in my life which is trusting that what your body's telling you in connection with your spirit in connection with what your mind's telling you if you bring all those things together and you see what the alignment is uh, you'll find your why um, I think for me, my why is that I actually wanted to start living meaningfully, differently, and more consciously and more aware and be, and that, and, and allow, and that, and that allow me to be in better communion and community with people. Um, because I think the path that I was going on also not only alienated myself from myself, but alienated myself from other people. And um, I think the why for me was I actually wanted to start living. I didn't want to be a martyr to to my pain. Uh, I didn't want to let the things that happened to me uh, make me feel like I was uh, they were they were destroying me. So I, I I really take solace and pleasure in in having some agency in how how I can move now because before I, like I said in the previous episode. I wasn't in the driver's seat. It was my ego, it was my pain, it was my trauma. That was the one that was guiding the journey. Uh, my body was taking care of me by telling me what my limits were, but um, I think I think the why was that that alignment, everything kind of coming together and um, you know, you know, sending good love your way for real. Big ups on on being sober for over 2 weeks now, right? And uh you know, definitely uh, to think about, you know, what legacies we're leaving behind, right? Um, especially, like I, you know, mentioned before, right, as a, you know, 
cisgendered heterosexual male in the society right um like it's really important to realize how normalized drinking has ha, is for this community and the legacies of pain that we leave behind in this kind of wake of this alcoholism that has you know really has really had its grips on our communities for a very long time um you know what's my big why right especially as a father now um and and to really think about my my own father's relationship with alcohol that it it you know it it really brought up the question for me like do i want to continue to normalize this right do i want to continue to justify right all of my pains all of my sufferings and all, all these things and in this kind of you know again normalized kind of situation that uh, you know alcohol kind of normalizes for us in this, in this community be like you know it's okay you were drunk you know blah you know and, and to be honest i was i wasn't happy right i i feel like you know um especially now like i said we're having having a child really you know makes me think about you know what it is that i want to accomplish in my life uh spiritually first and foremost and i feel like alcohol was a very numbing a very numbing vehicle right uh that that you know allowed me to not confront a lot of the pain that i have been storing uh, for a very long time and you know that i didn't get to see that until after i didn't know how much i was storing right um i just kind of thought about it in the first in the first kind of moments in the first kind of struggles with not drinking as you know well you know it, it's it's something that you know i wanted to do to decolonize my mind to decolonize right the future for my for my child right but i didn't really know how much trauma i was storing because i've i felt that you know like i i like i mentioned before i i started drinking probably when i was 15 years old you know on a regular basis right and it became normalized for me and so i think it's very important to to realize now that my why to continue right my why obviously still is is my my relationship to my son but also the relationship to myself and to try to really understand like how much stuff and pain and trauma i was holding on to and i was carrying with me that i had stuffed away and used alcohol to kind of numb it and numb it and numb it and kind of keep cementing that door in front of that trauma that i think i've been in this kind of wake of this uh sobriety i've been welcoming right i feel a little bit stronger spiritually now and a little bit more brave right thanks to my amistades thanks to my amistad with Mario and my community and all of my loved ones my partner and their support right to be 
to feel like, you know what, like, it's okay to confront these things. We're here to back you up, right? We're here to be there for you, for you in whatever way you we, we can, right? And I think that's a very, uh, you know, again, I think it's a very personal thing, right, for, for everyone to really think about, right? Like, what, what is it that we're trying to do here? Because, you know, again, if we just leave it up to these legacies, those legacies are very cemented and profitable for a lot of people and our pain has right. become very profitable for for uh you know for different systemic forms of mm-hmm. hate and discrimination yeah. and all that stuff that's, that yeah that's critical yeah so that's a great question and thank you for sharing Olivia. yeah that's, that's critical danny i mean like thinking of of how this is you know these forms of pain are are commodified and and currency and uh, profit off of and, and, and marketed towards, um, you know, whenever I see a form of marketing that has kind of good, rep, quote unquote, good representation, but it's marketed right. towards these types of things, um, you're you're not being represented, mm-hmm. being marketed to, you know. Yes. And that void, that that void that Valeria was sharing with us, like how do we fill that void? I think there's something really. Uh, important that um i've been reminding myself of in uh, my healing work the last few weeks which is and we touched on this in the the last episode too uh, but i wanted to share directly with valeria and 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 you too danny um is uh you know on the other side of the thing that we think we're doing wrong quote unquote with like consuming and over consuming is is a desire for connection like we want to feel something uh and so there's got to be something more than just misery and sorrow there right it's it's actually a desire for connection and then when you're done and you're trying to set boundaries like with chris's question it's almost like the connections are not the same anymore right so we have to create new forms of like pleasure and happiness and joy and so so then we look for other things and then we might engage those things with with those forms of overconsumption, particularly because we might be healing, but the society's not changing. And that's that's heavy. That's for, for everyone who's on that healing journey with us. That's heavy because you're doing all this work. The institutions and structures are not necessarily changing. But what ends up happening is at least, at the very least, we have some clarity about where we are in this space and um, I hope that you see that it's not a lack or that it's not a void. You have you have a lot, <laughs> and sometimes uh, we feel a lot. It's, it's it's not it's never a lack. I think for me, it's it's thinking about that. It's not just pain that 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 we're working with here. We're also looking for ways of joy. I talked to my therapist a few weeks ago. One of the one of the conversations that we had in these kind of intimate sites that were again one of the things we've tried to do in this this first. Uh, set of conversations that Danny and I have had is to share the things that some some folks don't have access to, right? These conversations that happen in therapy. And one of the things that my therapist asked me was, well, what are your first memories of happiness and joy? And one of the things that came up, Danny, was sitting around a table drinking with family, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and one of the interesting things is that I was, I was watching, uh, you know, folks who had you know i was young i was a teenager i didn't even hit my 20s 
and you think that your body's just as resilient as someone who's been doing that for 50 years. Okay. And it's not. And so you, you think, yo, this has been going on. Like, I can stretch my body to this capacity. And in some ways, in your, in your kind of teens and 20s, your body can, in some ways, kind of stretch itself, I presume, at least in my personal experience. But some of these folks have, you know, decades of experience with it. And then you think that that access is joy. It's not. It's experience in that particular type of thing. And within this society, right? Where we're under-resourced, underemployed, no one gives a crap about taking care of us in the larger kind of structural systemic systems, both in the US and abroad, especially abroad. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I come from uh, my memories of, of, of Costa Rica, you know, there's, there's a cantina on, on every corner. And so there's this kind of other kind of w other ways in which we're bombarded by these different structures. And it's not joy, right? Um, in many ways, it's, 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 it's precisely what, you know, you know, you know, Marx called religion the opiate of the masses. You know, I, I, I think in this context, we can think of of these types of forms as part of that that we're talking about. And then, I, you know, it should be of no coincidence that white folks are giving this to, uh, to Native folks at every treaty, right? This the kind of introduction of this specific way of, of engaging liquor and alcohol as the white man's water. I think all of that is is intertwined and interconnected and so you know what if we thought of it not as a void but as as, as part of our, our our abundance and therefore when it's over there's more to it right there's more that we can connect and build with thank you so much for that oh i think to me what has filled the void is that other right um almost the self-confidence that I began to feel as I began to confront some of these pains and just be, right? I, I think being comfortable with myself has been a part that has that has been filling that void, right? And I, I think about that song, right, uh, that I mentioned in, in, in one of our songs, right, uh, Murcielago, Versus la, donde las estrellas son, right? That, that sol, solamente son, right? Like the sense of like that, that I don't have to be anything, right? I just have to be myself, right? And and that's enough, right? That's enough to to be, right? That I don't have to be proving myself at every you know part of, of life to to be worthy, right? Or to be worth anything, right? That again, that I can just be. And, and that's something that I'm starting to learn. Um, I'm starting to accept for myself, right? That, you know, there's there's things that, you know, by simply being me and whatever that means, right? And whatever I'm comfortable with, because I think for the most part, it's always, our, you know, ourselves who are the hardest on ourselves, right? Um, but I think that has really filled the void for me in this absence, right? As, as you know, in this kind of path to be like learning, right? To love myself, I think has been a big one, 
right? And I still, I mean, I feel like I still have a long way, but um, recognizing that I haven't always, right, is is something that um, is a part of that process and has really allowed me to continue to to be brave, to to keep going, right, and to to recognize that you know, for so long I've neglected that, right? So, so let's just be. We had other folks write to us as well. You know, some really sweet things from folks that really engage us. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for writing to us and always saying nice things, letting us know your own process and journey. Talked about laughing yoga, and um, you also talked about Reiki healing and uh, being grateful and thinking about release. And you know, you also shared with us that sometimes these episodes make you cry, but also that they're very connected to this journey of, of kind of discovering who we are and what our truth is. And, uh, you know, we appreciate your honesty and love that you share with us as well. Um, so sending you really good energy uh, without question. Um, so many of you listen to us um, and make time for us. And so you know, y'all telling us that we bring you joy and that that brings you gratitude. I've only felt joy and gratitude and listening and reading these messages. So for real, thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, Vanessa, uh, who also um, we shouted out a few weeks ago, um, you said, um, you know, you were really thankful for um, the podcast. Um, we appreciate you as well. Um, you had asked us to kind of talk about intrusive thoughts and memories and that creating room for difficult ideas, uh, something that I talked a little bit about in the part one episode of was something that was really resonating with you. Um, you know, if you ever want to follow up and talk about that, I'm more than happy to. Um, I'm really glad that, that that creating room for those difficult emotions I'm glad that you're doing that for yourself. And also, you know, that that's something that we're both working on. That's something that that's a journey that we're both on. So we're all together working towards. So that's amazing to hear. Um, Anna, thank you so much for listening to this first uh, set of conversations. Uh, you described the podcast as kind of engaging in a circular, beautiful path. Uh, you told us about some of the takeaways that you had, which was to respect Ana Doña. Um, that the body speaks and holds answers, um, that we can decolonize the, our relationship to substances and our sobriety, and that our legacy can be a kind of collective healing, uh, which is part of like what the work that Danny and I intend on this work to do, uh, which is not just, we're not just talking about individual, individuated stuff, um, but, you know, creating access and space to uh, our communal and collective abundance in doing this as well. Um, you sent us a fresh breeze. Uh, we send it right back to you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, and thanks for you know, even also like sending us uh, pictures of your walks as well. Um, uh, you know, you jokingly said that you also only run downhill like Danny, which is hilarious. Um, I mean, I don't even try to run downhill. So <laughs> y'all are brave. It's the only way to run. It's the only <laughs> y'all are brave. Y'all are brave. 
from the episode where we talked about walking meditation. I was I'm serious when I say walking because I, <laughs> I I try and <clears throat> uh, it's it's definitely not um, not working for me. <laughs> um, Stephanie, thank you so much also for for sharing. Um, you know, you sent us a, a long message uh, that was about you know finding your path uh, and to check in with yourself and you know, alchemy, right? Um, that embracing that suffering and embracing that pain is part of how we can be in community and collectivity together. And I think our willingness to see our pain is vital to how we even begin to activate ourselves for useful and productive things outside of the realm of, you know, like capitalism and productive stuff, right? Um, I really, I really, really think that that's critical. Um, you know, whether or not we choose to see suffering is, is important, um, especially in relationship to the world, you know, uh, there are a lot of things that, that folks don't like to witness. Um, it might be because we're suffering, we suffer too much. It might be because we're not even engaging our own suffering and therefore we're not available for, and perhaps willing to be available to the suffering. Um, and so I think what we're engaging here is kind of journeys of personal healing, collective and communal healing, but also in perhaps activating different forms of, of, of spiritual activism that's vital. Yep. Definitely. And um, also want to share um, and give a shout out to uh, my primo Andy. Um, thank you for listening, right? Thank you for sharing uh, some some tunes for our uh, for our uh, playlist. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad uh, it's it's helping you to to uh, connect at least with 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 me, right? As as your primo, uh, and and thank you for for uh, uh, creating that space with us as well. And also to uh, Chaminator Jones, actually Thomas Rodriguez, uh, for uh, for sharing your thoughts and also um, you know and, and giving us the big props. And I'm glad that you're you're able to find some you know um, stress relief and um, and some calming that you mentioned that uh, our podcast is is uh, is helping you achieve. So appreciate your comments and your thoughts and your well wishes so in that spirit uh you know we've we've really kind of uh feel like there is a kind of there's definitely a listening community and we're just really grateful i want y'all to know that like you know without your friendship without your amistad none of this is possible and um you know if we've kept you waiting it's 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 more uh us working through Vistana uh, Doña, right? I mean, it's it's part of our day to day lives, and it's part of the the, the busyness of it all. And um, you know, it's as difficult as it is for us as it may be for you. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed the experience of talking to Danny and within this kind of intimate setting and context. I think what what this these sets of episodes that we've released have allowed me to think about and to vocalize is being more comfortable with that journey of healing 
as a form of spiritual activism, as a form of connection, as a form of of spreading that out to folks um, and getting comfortable with my own story. So thank you everyone for listening and, and allowing that space to happen and reaching out in these ways that I, mean, I, I can't stress enough. Um, the next set of episodes for Danny and myself are going to be uh, one of the second things that we set out to do, uh, which was to engage our personal experiences, our own healing journeys, and also to engage the field that we're in. That's already been embedded in our conversations. We've talked a lot about uh, ethnic studies. We've talked a lot about Chicano and Chicano studies already. We've talked about Ilan Torres's work. We've talked about um, so much of the work that allows us to even feel ready and compelled to engage in testimonial, in reflection, right? Uh, this is definitely emerging out of the, the field of Chicana feminism, of women of color feminism, of of queer uh, Chicana, Chicanx, Latinx feminism, uh, these journeys of, of, you know, the borderlands, right? Gloria Saldua's work, uh, that was very instructive. Sherry Moraga's work, very instructive in not only teaching us how to write, but becoming comfortable with how our stories are personal wisdom and personal knowledge. That's part and parcel of how we learn to do this. And I, I wanted to definitely ground that in the work that you know, that's about now 40 years old, right? We think about the borderlands, we think about uh, this bridge called My Back, all these really pivotal works that aim to see our relationships to each other. I learned how to do that in, in ethnic studies work before I ever stepped foot in therapy. And I, we, that's, that's, that's part of, I think, why uh, we, we weave in and out right of, of ethnic studies with our own personal stories that's very foundational uh to the field that danny and i have uh, been lucky to uh, find our way in uh, i think and um so i just wanted to uh you know say that that these first set of conversations getting to know us you know mirar la montaña you know aprender a ver right um and these Anadonia and Amistad episodes have really been about grounding, uh, letting you kind of get to know us, building that relationship uh, between us as well, right? Getting to know how we work, um, what is it that we want to say. And uh, the next set of episodes are, I think, going to be uh, interesting in, in completely new ways. Um, and we're going to introduce you to some friends uh, and some folks that we're getting to know as well uh, and to have kind of um, a space to really reflect on the complexities of some of the things that Danny and I have talked about. Um, the next episode, I'm lucky to say that we have uh, with Dr. Elliot Powell, uh, who is a colleague. Um, he was a committee uh, advisor on, on my dissertation uh, and uh, we're going to talk about his book, Sounds from the Other Side, Afro-South Asian Collaborations in Black Popular Music. And, you know, one of the things that Danny and I were just talking about right now were, you know, Danny brought up, you know, that, yeah, you know, one of the whys for Danny to make these different changes and journeys was kind of working through uh, masculinity. What's What are the kind of alternative new forms of masculinities 
that we can articulate within our communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode with Elliot, um, again, super lucky to have that conversation with uh, Elliot. Yeah, uh, it's going to explore, you know, John Coltrane and the music of John Coltrane through a kind of queer black lens, um, and and James Baldwin reading Coltrane through James Baldwin. It's going to be a really fruitful and I hope informative and, and also healing conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Baldwin, you know, had a conversation with Malcolm X and, uh, you know, told them, right, uh, your your vision of revolutionary masculinity is, is, is a vision. It's important. It's critical. Um, it might be, uh, you know, not making space for other forms of being and i think i think that's important right the be in dialogue with all the bits and pieces of you know the 60s and 70s that are really important roots there are roots um, in terms of where danny and i come into the field and also seeing like you know what other things blossom and and flourish and grow and uh hopefully the next set of conversations allow you to see that you know, open up the space for us to see and experience and feel that healing is tied to our critiques of power, that healing is tied to our activism, that healing is tied to, you know, everything that we want the world to be better at. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conversation with Elliot that's coming up, the conversations in the next few weeks with some really dope and amazing scholars in ethnic studies around reflecting around the COVID 19 uh, centralization of labor and other conversations that we're looking forward to have allow us to really think about what happens when we ground the field of ethnic studies and healing and holistic work and then what happens when we're able to see that healing is connected to uh, all the critical and amazing work of resistance but also right that resistance is about imagining healthier um, holistic, better world where we can exist. It might allow us to see that when we take the streets or we engage in really critical positions, uh, that's that's a that's from a position of love, always and for, first and foremost, especially love for our for ourselves and for our communities. And hopefully, by you know some of the conversations that we have coming up with interviewing, you know, for instance, Elliot and some other folks, you see that. A lot of the difficult work that uh, those of us, you know, who are, you know, writing, reading, that's coming out of love, you know, like loving listening to, uh, you know, black music, loving and listening to, um, you know, uh, black and brown scholars, right? I mean, the act of listening in and of itself and making time for that can be very healing, can be very connected to, you know, this kind of alignment that that we were looking for, especially in our educational journeys, as Danny and I have talked about, that have been so disrupted by trauma, have been so fundamentally destroyed and and harmed our spirit in the space of, of you know the K through 12 experience. We hope that these conversations are also very formative in seeing that that you know you know these are love journeys, um, these are very much healing journeys. And they're also extremely critical journeys. Um, and uh, by talking to different folks in different fields, um, uh, you know, Danny and I talk have talked a lot about critical and relational ethnic studies. Relational meaning, how do we relate to each other, and how do we better relate to each other? Mm-hmm. How do we do things differently? 
Um, how do we work through difference? Which again is a women of color feminist project, right? Working through difference that is foundational to the Cumbahee River Collective, right? Um, how do we work through difference uh, and and build, uh, you know, amistades along the way? Thank you for sharing your time and inviting us into your day here at the Alchemist Manifesto. We are very thankful for everyone who allowed us into your lives during season one. We invite you to check us out for our next season. Feel free to share your thoughts, responses, and questions via direct message on Instagram at The Alchemist Manifesto or via email at thealchemistmanifesto at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. A reminder that if you feel stuck from the mud, grows a lotus. A special shout out to Jaime Italavera for the musical intro and outro to our podcast and to Joel Ureya Mora for your work on our social media. We appreciate you both. Special shout out to Andres Fregoso, Miguel Angel Lopez, Valeria Barron, Paloma Rodriguez, and Citrali Solorzano for tuning in and showing support.